This is Periodically Political, brought to you by Elect STEM. We bring you stories of where politics intersect science. My name is Chris Caputo, and I'll be your co-host today, along with Darren Anderson. We're thrilled to have Dr. Reza Moridi on today's episode. He served as Ontario's Minister of Research, Innovation, and Science, as well as the Minister of Training, Colleges, and Universities. He also served as the Parliamentary Assistant to the Minister of Energy and Chair of the Cabinet Committee on Education, Skills, and Economy. He was first elected to the Ontario Parliament in 2007 and re-elected in 2011 and 2014. Reza is a graduate of Tehran University, having uh, accomplished a Bachelor's of Science and a Master's of Science there, and Brunel University in London in the United Kingdom, where he received a Master's of Technology and a PhD. His career spans academia, research, corporate, and public service. He has also received numerous awards and recognitions for his extensive professional community and humanitarian work. Thank you so much for joining us today, Reza, and welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Chris, for that uh, very gracious introduction. It's a pleasure to be uh, on your show. Excellent. So at AlexNAM, one of the things that we try to do is tell inspiring stories of people with a science and engineering background that have gotten involved in politics. And so to start, uh, tell us your political origin story. How and why did you get from science into politics? Well, uh, you know, Darren, I, I, I had a passion for politics since I was a young boy, actually before entering the university, even in my high school years. Uh, so, um, I mean, uh, going into politics wasn't that because I was a scientist and then moved to politics, but, uh, but because of my passion, I think, for, uh, for, for politics. Uh, as I said, you know, during my days at, the, at Tehran University or at Brunel University, I was involved in the student politics. And uh, after graduation, and they started working as an assistant professor in Tehran and then moved to Fiji Islands and then back to, and then to Canada, of course. Uh, I kept this passion. And uh, apart from passion, I always felt, you know, uh, as a citizen of a society, as a country, uh, you have a responsibility, particularly in a democratic societies, uh, to be, uh, you know, to be involved in the management of your bigger home, which is your country, your province, your city. Uh, so that is also kind of, in addition to the uh, uh, passion to, to politics, but it's a kind of feeling duty as well uh, to serve the public. I, I, most of the people that we've interviewed so far in this show have, have commented about that um, desire to, to serve the public good in one way or another. So I think it's interesting that you mentioned that. So how did, uh, so you, you'd always been politically interested and active. What caused you to take the leap and decide to run for public office for the first time? Well, you know, uh, when I came to Canada in 1990, uh, after you know a few years settling down and becoming Canadian, and again, following that uh, that concept that we have to be involved in the management of our city, province, country, uh, so that was, I think, one of the uh, one of the motives. Uh, the other one was that, uh, you know, I thought Canada opened up its arms to to, to my family, to my community. We all fled, uh, you know, our homeland, Iran, because of political disturbances there, because of revolution. Uh, we, everybody knows the situation uh, over there. So at the Canada, as I said, opened up its arms. So I thought, you know, it's, it's, it's a double responsibility, actually, for people like me 
to uh, to serve uh, to serve our country. So that that was another reason uh, that at that time, um, you know, I was a member of the Liberal Party for some years, but uh, in 2006 uh, the party asked me to run, and I said, well, you know, there is there is a call, and I have to respond to that call. And what was it like running as a candidate for the first time? Well, um, I was, um, I, I was, you know, I, I knew about the tricks of politics and the running and campaigns. So because I, I was involved, as I said, in the party and then in, in, in campaigns before, so I wasn't new uh, to the uh, to the campaigning or to this business. Uh, but of course, it was the first time I was running. It, it's quite different when you. Uh, canvas and you volunteer for a politician rather than you run yourself. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, there are similarities, but in the meantime, it's a different story. So yeah, it was a big challenge actually, uh, to work very hard to make sure that uh, people, you know, they have to get to know. If they don't know you, uh, they're not going to vote for you. Uh, that is one of the principles I learned uh, early in my days in politics. So I tried to communicate with, uh, you know, with the voters in my riding of Richmond Hill. And uh, and all paid off very well because I got elected in 2007 and, uh, of course, re-elected two terms after that. And it sounds like your experience, um, having been involved in the party and volunteering on campaigns, was a key part of uh, your success and why you felt comfortable running for office. So for any of our politically curious listeners, um, that's a a good first step for any of them that are thinking that this is something that they, they may want to do. I, I think so, Darren. I mean, uh, apart from passion, uh, you have to you have to uh, to know uh, the uh, the tricks of the, of the game, right? So you have mm-hmm. to learn how to campaign, uh, how to get involved. So these are these are, I think, another element. But the other element to the success is your community work. Mm-hmm. People will ask you, you know, what have you done apart from being a professor at the university or a research scientist in a research institution or engineer or whoever you know your uh, your day job or your profession? They will ask you, well, uh, what what else did you did you do? Were you, have you been involved in, in in the community? So I think community work is also one of the uh, one of the things that uh, uh, people who really want to you know to serve. The public uh, before entering formally into politics, before running for the office, they have to do some community work as well, so that people will, uh, you know, people will see that oh yeah, this person has a passion for public service. That makes a lot of sense. So I'd like to dig into a bit uh, with your experience about when you were minister of research, innovation, and science, and how you actually directly impacted you know the science in the province of Ontario. Um, so what was your job as minister? Like, what do you do day to day as as a cabinet minister in that role? Well, I'll answer, answer the last part of the question, Chris. Um, you know, as a minister, of course, uh, uh, my job was to, to make sure that government's policy uh, in relation to research, innovation, science in the province of Ontario has been implemented, uh, you know, properly. Uh, but in terms of running the day to day affairs and the regular affairs of the ministry, uh, of course, my deputy was in charge of that, so he would do, uh, you know, the, the daily operation of the ministry. But uh, I, as a minister, I will not only oversee the daily operation in, in a relatively high level, but in the meantime, uh, make sure that those policies and the programs are implemented properly. So uh, that was my overall responsibility, and I think this is the overall responsibility of every minister in the cabinet. Uh, but in terms of uh, uh, my own, uh, the impact I made in, t- in terms of, 
you know, um, introducing policies uh, within the government and within the, you know, within the uh, within the province, I should say, the impacts of uh, my service on those five and a half years as Minister for Research Innovation. Um, I was uh, I was blessed being a, a scientist myself, uh, being in charge of that ministry because it makes a lot of difference. Uh, one day, one of the officials, uh, when we were, you know, having our own meeting in my office, uh, this was towards the end of my uh, my days at the ministry <laughs> in 2018. Uh, he told me, he said, you know, minister, in old days, uh, we as uh, bureaucrats, uh, we used to, uh, you know, brief the minister, or in other words, educate the minister about uh, about various things and also make some suggestions, recommendations and, and policy recommendations. Uh, but in the past uh, five, and, five and a half years, in your case, uh, in fact, things were the other way around. Uh, you were the one who was <laughs> who was coming up with ideas and telling us what to do, or, or, or in other words, you were briefing us rather than we briefing you. <laughs> Uh, so I, I think that that was one of the things that I always enjoyed. And I think my colleagues at the ministry also, uh, they found that, uh, you know, someone uh, in that office as a minister, he is someone um, like themselves. He's, he's aware of the, of the, of the issues. Uh, he's aware of the policies. He's aware of the shortcomings. He's aware of the future developments which we want to make. Um, in order to improve our science policies in, in the province of Ontario, so I think we had uh, we had a good team. Me in the political level and them in the in, in the civil servants level. So we worked together and we had that uh, um, harmony and um, um, and we had a kind of resonance, I should say, because we were all on the same page, as they say. That's fantastic. It sounds like your scientific background was was key to being a really successful minister. Um, would So when these types of issues went to cabinet or went to caucus, the, the scientific issues is what I mean. Like, did, did you find that with your scientific background, you know, others, your colleagues would defer to your expertise or, or you know, does your voice uh, at the table or did, was your voice amplified at the table given your professional background? I, I think so. Within the caucus and also within the cabinet, uh, you know, on those 11 years uh, I was at Queen's Park, I always noticed that, you know, in the caucus, for, for example, when there was something related to science, people look at me. Uh, though we had other science scientists, uh, MPP as well, and they looked at them, uh, those other, other uh, you know, individuals as well. But I, I think that was, uh, that, that was helpful. And that showed that, you know, my colleagues at the Liberal Caucus and also at the Cabinet under Premier Wynne, um, they valued uh, science uh, and they valued the fact that uh, science is the basis and the foundation of economic development and the well-being of every society, including ours in Ontario and Canada. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think that was that was the case in, in many, many cases. Mm hmm. Because obviously you had to balance quite a number of different scientific priorities as minister um, and other conflicting priorities potentially from elsewhere in government. So how did you decide where to make those big policy bets? Like, how did you decide the best investment of, of the ministry's time and resources? Well, you know, the, the ministry has been investing in various areas of science, you know, uh, from even social science, from social science to, to pure science. 
and I always believed in, in the fact that, uh, you know, um, innovation and research is, is a journey, is a spectrum. Um, it starts with imagination. Once Albert Einstein said, uh, imagination is more important than knowledge uh, because knowledge follows imagination. Um, so, um, yes, it starts from imagination and, of course, comes to knowledge creation, and uh, various stages of knowledge development, knowledge creation, and then, of course, inventions, innovations, and then commercialization of innovation and invention. Uh, so one end of the spectrum is imagination, and the other spectrum is selling the products and the services, which comes out of uh, that imagination. Uh, and we need, in Ontario and in Canada, of course, we need people uh, who uh, can fit within those pieces of that chain. Uh, and we need to invest on every of those uh, pieces of the chain as, as a government, not only say, oh, we are going to, to invest only on commercialization because that converts the things to the money right away. Uh, no, we need to go to consider the whole spectrum. And that was always my mantra and then my basically uh, the thing which I used to uh, to say many, many times among my colleagues, uh, both at the ministry and the caucus, uh, that we need to invest from very, very pure science up to uh, commercialization. And that's what we did, actually, in the Ministry of Research, Innovation and Science. Uh, we really transformed, I should say, that ministry within uh, within those five, five and a half years in, in various areas. Mm -hmm. Along that transformative um, theme, what would you say your proudest uh, accomplishment was as being Minister of Research, Innovation and Science? Well, there was a couple of them. Uh, I, I think one of them was uh, establishment of uh, uh, of um, campus link accelerators, which is basically incubators in every Ontario university and uh, and the college, uh, so that uh, you know academics uh, who are mainly uh, scientists, but they are not business people, so they needed some help to in order to get their ideas into the marketplace. Uh, so that those campus link accelerators were uh, established in order to help, uh, you know, the ideas coming out of the universities uh, going to the marketplace. I used to say that we don't want to our research and innovation stays in the library in, in the library shelves and these days in computer hardware's. We want those to come to the marketplace as soon as possible because if we don't do it, other people who are doing the same work in other parts of the world. Uh, they will do it and they will uh, conquer the market. So we need to be the first. So uh, the fastest uh, we commercialize our research, uh, the better for our economy, for our country. Uh, but for, in order to do that, we needed to have the, uh, uh, the institutions in place. So uh, Campus Link Accelerators was the, was the starting point, really. And then, of course, um, we had you know institutions such as Mars, such as Ontario Centers of Excellence, uh, and the similar institutions we created, or Ontario Capital Growth Corporation, for instance, we created for commercialization of um, of, of research funds, uh, of um, commercialization of research. So all of these uh, help. The other um, uh, the other major accomplishment, just the question, Chris, was uh, completion of the construction of the uh, West Tower of Mars. Uh, so that was, I think that was a major accomplishment. And uh, when I signed uh, for close to $400 million check to, to complete that, that building, <laughs> uh, I thought that was a milestone. And uh, 
Uh, and I'm very proud that uh, we did this, and I'm very grateful to Premier Wynn for approving that uh, 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 that that proposal to uh, get that done. And now, as you know, Mars is uh, one of the uh, icons of the city of Toronto. Yep, it's an amazing building, that West Tower. It, it is. So many of our listeners are from academia, right? Um, and a lot of them want to get more involved, but aren't really sure how. So would you have any recommendations on, you know, how we can get more involved in helping the government set kind of science and research priorities? I, I think, Chris, one of the things is that, uh, first of all, you know, uh, scientists within our country, Canada, our province of Ontario, our cities, scientists need to get involved. Uh, they shouldn't confine themselves into their, you know, academic world or their research lab. Uh, there's a world out there, and of course, they're doing a great job in terms of, you know, um, bringing those fundamental uh, changes to our well-being, to our economy. It, it, it all starts from uh, by the work the scientists do, uh, you know. But in the meantime, uh, going a little bit beyond that is also very helpful to, to, to society because at the end, it is the politicians who will decide how much resources should be directed towards uh, research, innovation, acad academia, uh, education. Uh, at the end, the politicians make those decisions. So our politicians, uh, they need at least some of them needs to be uh, to be scientists. Some of them need to be uh, coming from academic background uh, of any discipline, maybe from you know history, psychology, uh, liberal arts engineering, science, various, various backgrounds. So uh, the, we need to have that. I mean, that is, uh, that is a must. Um, and uh, that's, that is my request from my, you know, my colleagues in academia, particularly in the science field uh, to, and engineering, of course, to get involved in politics because uh, uh, it's going to uh, pay back to your profession and to your colleagues and indeed uh, to our country uh, in, the, in the long term. We certainly hope to inspire more scientists and engineers to to take that leap. So thank you for that answer. So, you know, as we've just been talking about, um, science is so important for many of the, the issues that we're dealing with today as a society. Um, and, you know, these scientific issues are often not black and white. Um, you know, and as scientists, we like to communicate things very accurately and precisely, let's say, and in a fair bit of detail. So what advice would you give scientists that are engaging with their local MP, their local MPP on a scientific issue? Uh, how would you advise them to uh, be able to communicate a, a specific issue that they're passionate about effectively? You know, Darren, uh, as a scientist myself, uh, and, and you here, uh, scientists, they, they speak uh, with, the, with a language which is Sometimes it is a foreign language for the public because a scientist is speaking the language of mathematics, in the language of numbers, in the language of logic, you know. Uh, but the general public, um, they speak in the language of metaphor, uh, comparison, analogy. Uh, so so that, 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 is, that is the difference. Um, so, and we, we, we try to, you know, to, uh, bring the facts to, to the public and th that kind of thing. So I think scientists need to, uh, uh, to know uh, that when they are speaking to the public, 
uh, they have to use another kind of uh, vocabulary, another kind of language, uh, per se, to, to make sure that the public understands it. Um, I think one of the uh, major issues, uh, for example, in the, in the case of the environment or in the case of nuclear uh, energy, um, you know, the scientists comes out and they talk about, you know, about nuclear energy, but the public doesn't see it that way, the way uh, as the scientists presented nuclear energy to the public. So, so these, these are, I think, some of the differences, some of the issues that scientists need to consider when talking to the public, try to make sure that, no, I'm not talking to a number of students in my class, you know, uh, I'm not teaching mathematics, I'm not teaching physics or chemistry, uh, I'm just talking to ordinary public and to make sure that they, they understand, but don't go into the details, don't go into the facts and numbers, etc. Just talk to them in a language of metaphor, which will be understood by the members of the general public. That's really interesting. And, and certainly it makes a lot of sense that, um, that that's an approach that scientists can take. If, if, you know, somebody was thinking that this was a direction that they wanted to go and they, um, you know, they were thinking, Hey, I need some practice having, having conversations about these kinds of issues. How would you encourage them to go about uh, building some of the skills that, that are necessary to be able to communicate effectively? Well, I, th I think this will come with their involvement within the community. When they enroll in the community, they talk to ordinary, you know, ordinary folks. They will see uh, how they are acting or interacting. And I think gradually uh, they will learn. As there is no academic course to learn how to, you know, to convey these things to the public. But I think it's a matter of experience. Uh, it's a kind of experiential learning, I believe. So again, my suggestion would be, you know, to, to go to the community, work with with the ordinary people, and then gradually you will uh, you will learn how to communicate with those people. Uh, that's excellent. So my last question: Can you give us an example of a challenging scientific issue that you helped uh, your government think through when you were in cabinet? Um, something where your expertise really had a had a direct impact in the direction of the government. Well, uh, I mean, there's, I, I don't have any specific, uh, specific point to, uh, or, or matter to, to mention, but I think in general, when we were talking about, for example, environmental issues, um, cap and trade, for instance, you know, we have, uh, previous government, we brought the cap and trade, uh, legislation, which, uh, uh, which was, uh, basically based on the science, really speaking, saying that, you know, when you're, you're polluting the, uh, the air, uh, you have to pay for it. You have to pay for the pollution. But in the meantime, just paying for the pollution is not adequate. We need to come up with some technologies where we can reduce technically, uh, you know, the, the emission of pollution. So how are we going to do that? Of course, if we, if we, you know, ask people to pay for pollution, how are we going to use the money which is collected through this payment? Are we going to, uh, are we going to, you know, use this money for other things or, or at least we can use part of this fund which is going to be collected in order to spend in research, innovation, in environmental areas so that we come up with new technologies, with innovations, uh, indirectly again will help to reduce emissions. So these are some of the things actually why I made some contribution to my colleagues and on the nuclear energy area as well in terms of refurbishments of our uh, nuclear reactors in Ontario, uh, and also helping, you know, to uh, 
uh, to go with um, uh, with the green energy, for instance, uh, when Premier McGinty was our Premier, uh, I mean, he, he was the champion of, of, of the environment. And not only not only that, he was a champion of education as well, actually. He was the champion of research and innovation. He was the first minister of research innovation. Uh, he created this ministry for the first time and uh, he became, uh, along with his, you know, his responsibility as the Premier of Ontario, uh, he was the minister. He made himself the minister for, for this ministry for two years, I believe, just to send out this message to the science community and to the community at large that this ministry is very, very important for our future. Uh, so, so these are, these are some of the things, you know, um, that happened in the past. And I am so glad that I was a part of, uh, Premier McGinty and also Premier Vince Tim uh, for the for the for the eleven years I was at Queen's Park. That that's excellent. So you've talked a couple of times about uh, nuclear energy. Is your academic and, and research background in nuclear energy, or was this something that you've picked up a familiarity with because of your general science background? Well, no, I I, I did I did one of my master's degree is in in nuclear area. And also, I worked for 17 years at the Radiation Safety Institute of Canada, where I was involved with nuclear industry as a whole, from uh, uranium exploration up to uh, uh, energy production, the whole chain. Uh, excellent. So you were really uh, an, uh, an in-depth resource uh, residing at uh, inside cabinet. That, that sounds excellent. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Reza, for your insights so far. I'd, I'd like to turn it over to you to kind of invite, you know, an maybe an inspirational statement uh, that can encourage our, our listeners who are on the fence about, about getting more involved in politics. Like what, what would you say to them to, to get, uh, to encourage them to get more involved politically? Well, I, I would say Chris, that, you know, my colleagues, my scientist colleagues, uh, my academia colleagues from academia, uh, that entering into politics and serving the public is not something we should leave it for others to do that. You know, in other countries, uh, we see that, uh, you know, uh, very distinguished scientists actually became uh, distinguished politicians. Uh, uh, today, we know that uh, Prime Minister of Germany, as they call it, Chancellor, uh, Chancellor of Germany, Angela Merkel, is a physicist, actually. And the former uh, very high-profile British Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher, was a chemist. Uh, and then again, former um, Minister of Foreign Affairs of European uh, Union was uh, Javier Solana. He was also a, a physicist. Um, former uh, President of the United States, President Carter, was a physicist. Actually, he did some work in nuclear energy. Uh, he did some research work at the Chalk River Lab when he was young. Uh, so, so there are, yes, and the Kosygin, who was the Prime Minister of Soviet Union, he was also uh, scientists or engineer. Uh, so anyway, there are quite a number of uh, scientists and engineers uh, who entered into politics, and uh, of course they gain, they became very very prominent in their own field. So there there are lots of uh, uh, lots of opportunities in, in public service, and I think uh, we scientists need to uh, uh, to participate in the as I said earlier in the management of our bigger home, which is our country, Canada, our province of Ontario, our cities and the municipalities. And we can certainly contribute quite significantly to the well-being of our society and uh, our fellow human beings on this planet. Yeah, thank you, Reza, for spending time with us today um, on Periodically Political. We really, really appreciate the insights that you've provided our politics-curious listeners. 
Well, thank you very much, Chris. It was a great pleasure talking to you and Darren. If you've liked this episode, we encourage you to rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps new listeners discover the show. 